The Biscuit is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. There's just so much work to do that I can't do what you can do. And so whatever your passion is, whether it's around helping students um, find jobs or be more job ready, or whether or not you're an artist and you wanna share your artwork and your ability to create with someone else, we there there's value in connecting with other people. And so I think embracing whatever individually ignites you inside um, that you want to share that you should get involved in. There's a place for you. Hello, Biscuit listeners, and welcome to another freshly baked edition of the Biscuit Podcast, celebrating Charlotte's creativity every week. I'm your host, Andy Goh. Today's episode is a conversation between Creative Mornings host Matt Olin and the speaker for the July event, Sonia Gant. Now, Sonia Gant has been executive director of Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools Foundation since 2016, following a nearly 30-year career as a TV journalist. Sonia delivered a compelling talk on the Creative Mornings global theme of End at Biddle Hall on the campus of Johnson C. Smith University. In this episode of the Creative Mornings Rewind, Matt Olin talks to Sonia Gant about the role of the CMS Foundation in making our schools not just good, but exemplary, how her background as a journalist benefits her work now, and the significance of having this conversation in the pews of Friendship Missionary Baptist Church, designed by her father, Harvey Gant. Let's take a listen. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Biscuit Podcast. And this is the one, that, the, the segment that we like to call the Creative Mornings Rewind. This is Ooh. when we get a chance to spend a little more time with our most recent Creative Mornings guest. And what an honor it is to be sitting here with Sonia Gant. Uh. You are the best, and I'm so <laughs> glad that you were our speaker last, uh, was it last Thank week you. or two weeks ago? I'm trying to remember. I think it was two weeks ago. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, um you gave us a, a talk on our global theme of end, and we're going to talk a little bit deeper about your approach to that uh, theme. But you had that audience at Biddle Hall, Johnson C. Smith University, in the palm of your hands. You truly did. <laughs> wow. You did. You did. And so uh, we're very Matt. grateful that you said yes to being our speaker um, and uh, and I'm just really glad that we get a chance to sit down and, and yeah. go a little deeper with you. Now. Thank you. So, yeah. Thank you. Well, the way that we like to um, start these podcast conversations is to sort of fire up the brain synapses with a quick lightning round. Oh, wow. And uh, they vary. They're, we go all over the place. But today, because you and I are both Chapel Hill grads, I thought, oh, no. why not... <laughs> Why not start with a little Chapel Hill trivia? Now, I do have to say that oh, I didn't know now. a lot. No, it's okay. I want to <laughs> just caveat here is that I did not know a lot of these myself, okay? So I have oh, the benefit great. of having researched this, but that's okay. This is really for the benefit of our readers more okay. than anything, or our listeners more than anything else. So let's dive in and see what we can learn about Chapel mm -hmm. Hill. True or false? UNC Chapel Hill is the first state university in the United States. True. That is true. Absolutely. True. I wish I had a yeah. bell with me. I'm right proud now. of that. Yes. I, yes, exactly. All right. True or false? 
Chapel Hill was the only U.S. university to award degrees during the 18th century. True. Yes, that is true. That is true. I was quite surprised by that, to be honest I with took you. a guess. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very good guess, very educated <laughs> guess. Thank you. All right, what year did UNC classes officially begin? Whoa. Yeah. It's okay. You can say pass if you don't know. I'm passing. Okay, that's 1795. 1795. Wow. Okay. Yep. In fact, when I was when I had just graduated, they were uh, about to celebrate the uh, bicentennial the, in 1995. So, um, how large was UNC's student body for its first two weeks? Twenty-five. One student, one wow. student, Mr. Hinton James. You're kidding. You didn't live in Hinton James. No, I, I didn't, but my daughter did. Yep, yep. Yes. First, uh, first student at Chapel Hill, and he was apparently the only student for the first two weeks of Chapel Hill. I know, strange, wow. right? Okay. All right, here we go. <coughs> True or false, Chapel Hill was originally named after New Hope Chapel, located on a hill in town. I think that's true. That is true. Okay, absolutely. I thought I'd heard that before somewhere in orientation or that some discussion. Is that yes. is absolutely true. What, thank you, leaders, for indulging us because we are we're geeking out on our Chapel Hill, yes. our alma mater right now. Okay, two more. Was Franklin Street named after Ben Franklin or Bonnie Franklin? Bonnie Franklin. That is incorrect. It was it's named wrong? after Ben You're Franklin. Yes. Uh-oh. Ben Franklin because the street honors his passion for practical education for youth. That's wow. just something I did not know. Did not know it okay. prior to sitting down with you. Yes. And finally, and, and this is because uh, you, know, you share a journalism background with this particular person. Which famous oh. journalist known for his long career at CBS mm-hmm. is buried in Old Chapel Hill Cemetery? Charles Carroll. Charles Carroll. Yes. Absolutely. Is and there a prize for this? For, well, <laughs> I'm going to be a huge hug after this podcast is done. Uh, Charles Carroll, who was also editor of the Daily Tar Heel. Yes. When, when, did, were you ever involved with the Daily Tar Heel? I went to the J School. No, I was not, but I was involved with UNC TV. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I had lots awesome. of friends in the journalism school who worked um, at the Daily Tar Heel. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tim yeah. and I were, we co wrote a humor column for the Daily Tar Heel. And um, you all have been a pair for a while. We've been a pair since since high school. We <laughs> met in, Ch- in uh, Charlotte Catholic High School, wow. so it's 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 been a long collaboration. Yeah. Um, Sonia, let's let's dive in and just ask some more sort of deeper dive questions uh, because when you have a luxurious fifteen minutes to talk on stage at Creative Mornings, there's no way you can you can uh, encapsulate everything that we want to uh, know from you and about you. And even with this conversation, we won't. But this is a few more questions that I c- I'm very curious about. So let's dive in. Um, so we're sitting here in uh, Friendship Missionary Baptist Church. And very often, we do like to ask our guests to choose a location that's meaningful to them for these conversations. Um, so tell us about the significance of this place for you. Why did you choose... Uh, this sanctuary to um, for this conversation? Well, for a number of reasons. Um, first, I'm very comfortable here. Um, I grew up in this church, not this particular facility, but across the street. And then, uh, but the main reason is that this is a place for me. Um, I attend service here. Um, the members are like family to me. 
Uh, many have watched me grow up. Many I've grown up with. But it's a place of clarity for me each week. Mm -hmm. And I feel just so at peace when I'm here uh, that when you ask me about a place, this this is where I would choose. I would have taken you to my house, but I hadn't cleaned up today. <laughs> so I thought, what public place can we come to? Uh, um, but that I think my faith is extremely important to me. And this is just a place where I always feel like, okay, I know what to do this week, yeah. or um, it grounds me in just solving problems. But I also think the issue, um, in a time where many people, you can watch church on TV, um, we stream our services here, so you can watch on the computer. Uh, there's something about sitting in the pews in community with people. Mm -hmm. And I love the connection. Yeah. Um, my husband jokes that it takes me too long to leave church. <laughs> but I remind him that we don't come just for the service, but they're people I only see sometimes once a week. Yeah. And so it's the connection and the sense of being together and knowing that other people are also challenged by mm -hmm. things that happen in the week. But we can come together here uh, in worship each Sunday, and it's a special experience. It really is. Well, it is a very comfortable room. I mean, you and I are sitting in a pew right now, uh, on a Wednesday morning, the sun is streaming through the stained glass. Yes. It's a beautiful room. Here's a leading question for you. Who designed this building? <laughs> is that a bit of trivia? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. I think Charlotte. I'm, very, I'm also proud of it because my father was the, my father's firm was the architect yep. um, for this facility. And I just, um, I know how special it was for him to be able to design mm. uh, the sanctuary. And the stained glass windows are among my favorite parts of this building because they feature um, figures from African-American history, but also from biblical history. Yeah. And Sunday mornings when you sit in here and the sun is coming through, it really is just a, it's just a beautiful place. Oh, yeah. it certainly is. Yeah. Well... I mean, do you remember when this this sanctuary was being built? Oh, yes. What, what, what year was that? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so my nephew, Nicholas, I'm, I'm going to date it by him because I remember he was christened in this building, and he is now 13. So, actually, I mean, it's probably about 13, 14 years old. Got it, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It must have been an exciting time to sort of... It was, it, yeah. it, it was very exciting. It was very exciting. The church had experienced a lot of growth across mm -hmm. the street, and it was just getting very tight on Sundays, even with multiple services. Um, but it, it's not just about Sunday morning, but you could tell it's pretty active in the building even when we very came active. in. Yes. So there's a, a summer program that's happening right now. Community groups come here and meet. And so it's really a place in West Charlotte that is a gathering spot for a number of groups. And I think the vision of building the church was about more than just Sundays. It's about the service to the community and offering a place where people can come. So um, our minister, Clifford Jones, often talks about the fact that uh, we want to be a place where people come and that it's about the service to the community and giving back. And so it, it is a special place. I, I'm, it's so clear to me why you chose it. I'm, and I'm really glad because I've been wanting yeah. to visit here for so long. And this well, is the perfect welcome. opportunity. Thank Come you. back on a Sunday morning. Uh, we will. We you. will. My <laughs> wife and I are, as she puts it, shopping for God right now. Okay. We are, we are <laughs> shopping uh, for God. In other words, uh, visiting different um, churches um, and congregations around Charlotte, different denominations, mm -hmm. 
non-denominations, and you name it. And we're looking for our new spiritual home. And uh, who knows? I may be sitting it. Yes. Well, let, let me know when you'd like to come visit. I, I'll bring you in that day. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So you are the executive director of the CMS Foundation. And um, I'd love to hear more about um, your role and really the role of the CM Founda CMS Foundation in the community. Because, of course, most folks know about CMS. Yes. Um, but not a lot or not nearly as many know about the CMS Foundation. So can you tell our listeners more about, about that? Yes. So I'm going to use a metaphor um, to think of our organization as a bridge between Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools and those who want to invest. Mm -hmm. And primarily, our work is about raising money for programs that support students and teachers and are not covered by tax dollars. Got it. Yeah. So I like to say that the tax dollars cover the basics, mm -hmm. but we don't want a basic school system. We <laughs> want one that's really exemplary. Yeah. And the partnership or the effort that's required to do that requires some additional resources. Um, one of the things I have found in this job, a message that I've shared over and over again, is that people hear that the budget for CMS is one point, uh, this year I think $6 billion. It's mm -hmm. a huge amount of money. Um, but I always ask people to remember that the funding comes from several different places, and some of it comes with restrictions, mm -hmm. most of it. 60% mm -hmm. comes from the state, 10% from the federal government, so that's 70% right mm -hmm. there, restricted. So you could have a lot of money in one pot, but we might want to start a new program, and we can't use the money for that. Right. So when you understand that, you can see how private investment is needed. And we like to say the foundation can be in two places, two spots we think were particularly effective, starting something new, mm -hmm. so innovation, mm -hmm. but then also partnering with the district to accelerate something that's working well. Gotcha. So that's the essence. We are a fundraising organization, independent of CMS. We have a community board. But the whole goal, all of those people who are on our board are all about making sure we have a district that's not just doing the basics, but taking it to another level. So would, would you say that most of those investments come from corporate partners? Is that where most of CMS uh, foundation, foundation money investment comes from? So it comes from a wide variety. Mm -hmm. We have great individual support and are continuing to build that. I've been there three and a half years, and I've been very um, excited by people who get this idea and want to make sure there are people in place to do the work. Um, and then corporations have been extremely um, generous because they care about the pipeline of talent, and they also care about recruiting new families to the area. So they understand that uh, a message I often share, doesn't matter where your child uh, goes to school, if you're doing business here, you understand how important it is that we have a district that is strong um, because you know you're going to need workers coming yeah. in, and you have families coming in, and they want to know about the school district as well. Can you give uh, an example of, say, either a new thing or a um, sort of injecting more support into an, uh, an existing project or program that is working mm -hmm. that um, just, just to sort of give folks an idea of, of how sure. that so life. glad you asked that, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so two programs that we directly manage, um, not paid for by tax dollars, are Teacher Innovation Fund, 
where we give grants to CMS teachers to live out dream projects at their schools. And that could be anything. We had a teacher one time who concluded a study of space camp by taking her students to space camp. Really? And a teacher innovation grant paid for that. We give up to $5,000 um, per request. We had a team of teachers at one of our high schools that was doing a really deep dive into the brain and the study of the brain. And they applied together as a group of teachers and used their dollars to buy all of these uh, fancy models of the brain that students could work with. Um, a teacher at West Mecklenburg High School used her grant to reinvigorate the musical theater program at the school because they hadn't had one. So those um, were dollars that went directly to classrooms to really help our teachers not be limited in their activities or thoughts for their class by the resources that they had. Oh, man, I just um, love this idea of injecting support behind creativity and innovation. Yes. You know, because I sometimes bet you do. Oh, yeah, it's that's a, that's that's right sweet out of our spot. hymn book, yes. if I may, in yes. the sanctuary. Uh, that that is um, beautiful and I wasn't fully aware that that's part of what the That's CMS part of what we does. do. Yes. Amazing. Another program that I want people to know about because we started it and we thought, well, this is only for CMS educators and then I got some feedback that other people would want to come. Um, it's called Teacher Talks happens every March, and we like to elevate the voice of teachers. This was the idea of James Ford. Um, a lot of people know him now oh, for Mr. his leading Ford, on absolutely. opportunity work, yep. but he was a history teacher at Garinger High School. When he was CMS Teacher of the Year, he had this idea. He said, I love TED Talks. Um, there ought to be a way that CMS teachers can share with one another and we know it's hard for 9,300 classroom teachers to get together, so we need to have technology to make it happen. And we were thrilled to begin that. We just did our third uh, event in March. It's always at Spirit Square. And five or six teachers, and you and Tim have been so helpful with giving us ideas about that. Mm -hmm. um, they are paired with speaking coaches in the community, but it all starts with an idea that they want to present to their colleagues. Um, this year, the subjects ranged from, uh, Justin Parmenter talked about more than my curriculum, how he as a teacher has realized that it's not just about the curriculum he teaches, that his students need even more. So he shared his effort to look at kindness and how that was playing out among his middle school students. Wow. And he shares an exercise about how he worked to help them understand the importance of kindness. Mm -hmm. um, we also had a teacher who I think just courageously spoke about her struggles with mental illness mm -hmm. and depression mm -hmm. and what it was like to be a teacher and also be dealing with depression mm -hmm. and how she wanted her colleagues to be aware of their colleagues in the same way that we would help someone who just recently had heart surgery and is coming back to teach. Mm -hmm. We need to be aware on that end. And she also shared with them that it's not just about your colleagues, it's about the students who are in front of you Absolutely. as well. So powerful talks. Yes. And the first year we only invited CMS employees. Uh, and my board members who are community members said, you need to open this up to the public. Mm. Others might like to hear what our teachers are talking about. So that evening each year is always the highlight for me mm. um, because we want to make sure their teachers have a voice yeah, yeah, as well. And so that's been exciting. Those teachers all have stories that need to be heard. They have ideas that need to be voiced. Yes. 
And I love teacher talks because it's truly additive to the sort of landscape of events that happen in Charlotte. There's mm-hmm. nothing quite like it, you know. Yeah. And so uh, we're thrilled to be on the sidelines cheering y'all on and, and supporting you. in any way we can. I love, I love it. So um, let's shift a little bit to um, sort of uh, your career prior to moving over to, to into education because most folks might know you as a journalist yes. um, and a television personality. So I'm curious how your prior career as a journalist covering Mecklenburg County, covering the greater Charlotte region, has uh, sort of informed your leadership role with CMS mm. Foundation. So I would, uh, I'm going to turn around a little bit. I, I like to think of the skills that maybe I sure. brought over. Yeah. Um, one of them, I was used to interviewing people. Mm-hmm. And part of my work is sometimes interviewing school leaders. And when I say that, I mean the folks who are department heads, who's leading the science department, the math department, and talking with them about exactly what programs do you have or what would you like to start that you don't have funding for. Mm -hmm. So that interviewing and listening, um, I'm definitely using in this in this career, yeah. but also uh, one of the things, you know, CMS is extremely large. Mm-hmm. Um, that's often talked about. And I, I find that the chance to be in a lot of different places, I serve on the leadership team as well, um, that collaboration or seeing the whole picture, yeah. which I had a chance to do from the anchor desk, seeing all of the different stories come together, I'm able to hear the different conversations in different departments and rooms and tie it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think just the idea, you know, in news often we would research, learn about a subject, and then we had to write a story and share it. I'm doing that in the community now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I hear the story of the CMS needs. I see the bigger strategy. And then I'm going out in the community and saying, this is what we need. Will you help us with this? That's really great. I, I wonder if part of the experience of being an anchor is that you're behind the desk reporting um, the news, and maybe there have been times when you have said, wow, I wish there was something I could do about that. And mm-hmm. now you, you, you've actually shifted into a role where you are making yes. an impact yes. on our community uh, in a different way, yes. and, and specifically in, in our uh, educational landscape here. It's very freeing. Yeah. I have to say that um, it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to observe what's happening in a community mm-hmm. and report on it. Um, but this chapter of my life is great because I do feel like I'm able to do something now. Yeah. I've always felt very passionately that teachers are some of the most important people um, in our community and that we need to all uplift them because the work they do does impact the rest of us later on. For sure. And so now I feel like that night of teacher talks, I feel like I've tangibly done something for oh, teachers that's awesome. or with the innovation grants sure. um, that we we're getting something to them that they need yeah. um, and that it impacts our students. Mm-hmm. You know, it, at the end of the day, it is all about the 148,000 students who are in Charlotte Mecklenburg schools. Yeah. Yeah. So your beautiful Creative Mornings talk was um, built on a theme uh, that kind of resonated with all of us, which was this idea of ending well, right? Mm-hmm. We came to you with this this word, end, and our initial thought was we thought of you because you had consciously chosen to end one chapter of your career to begin a new chapter of a career and then you took you sort of leveled it up to another <laughs> level where you said let's talk about something that actually 
applies to all of us, which is this idea of ending well. When you first mentioned that in the room, there were audible you know, sounds of affirmation coming mm. from the room. You know, people sort of, when you said that phrase, we were like, yes, that yeah. is so key in our lives. Um, so again, your focus was on the transition from sort of esteemed anchor to education leader. I'm so yes. grateful you said esteemed. I'm like, wow, I, oh yes, I was yes, all yes, that yes. that. Of course. Thank you. Um, but of course, our careers and our lives are also full of smaller ends and smaller yes. beginnings. That was kind of a big one for you. Mm -hmm. But there are these also these less dramatic starts and stops and stops and starts. Um, so I'm curious about that now. So um, tell me a little bit about how the endings earlier, earlier in your career uh, went, whether it's, or in your life. You know, how was the ending of graduating from East Mac and then moving into freshman year mm -hmm. at Chapel Hill? Um, or how was, uh, you know, your first reporting job in Florence, South Carolina, right? But then that had to end so that yes. you could then pick one up at WBTV. And then that had to end so you could move on to Chicago at uh, WGN. Mm -hmm. So maybe reflect on one or more of those endings moving mm -hmm. into new beginnings. Well, I think about... Um Let's take, uh, first of all, let me say this. Um, the word was strange to me because I, and I shared this with the audience, mm -hmm. um, that I love beginnings. Mm -hmm. I always have. Mm -hmm. The beginning of a new school year. Um, I don't particularly like endings mm -hmm. because I didn't like to say goodbye to people. I mm -hmm. get very attached. And I can think of Florence, South Carolina, my first job. Um, the staff is much smaller than the the new staffs here in Charlotte, I was very, very close to all those people. Um, and so leaving, even though I was excited about the opportunity, at that time I was going to WBTV, uh, I was excited about the opportunity, but it was hard. It was hard to say goodbye, and I more so relished the beginning. And so as I've grown, I've started realizing that you have to embrace each phase because it's coming whether you want it to or not, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And you know you need to move. I mean, sometimes I, I knew that while I loved Florence, I I wanted to go to the next step. I sure. wanted to be at a different station. Um, and so I had to, in order to get to the beginning, you got to get through the ending. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think about the personal uh, endings. Uh, saying goodbye to my son was kind of like, wow. I have focused so much on mothering for the last, you know, 20 something years. And now he's leaving. Mm. Like it, it, that felt weird. I think every parent can relate to that. You're kind of like you invest a lot and then they're just gone. Right. My daughter's only seven and I'm already freaking out <laughs> about that moment. <laughs> and so I, um, I just started feeling like, okay, we just want to, we want to end this well. Yeah. I want to leave it well so that I can go forward to something new with a, a clear mind. Was mm. there ever a time in your life when something didn't end well or you wish it had mm. ended differently? Good question. Um, I'm trying to think because I know that there is. <laughs> I'm sure. I, I will we share bury this. these moments. My, right. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Our friends, um, my friends often joke about the fact I insist on being understood. So if I walk away from a conversation where we've had a disagreement, 
um, I'm likely to call you back. Mm. It it takes me a minute sometimes to process things. Sure. And I don't always quickly get where get what I'm meant to say yeah. right away. Oh, so I get that. I'll call back the next day and say, I want to talk about this more. Right. And I do that with my sisters a lot too. So I can think of plenty of conversations that haven't sure, ended well sure. because I feel like the person didn't understand me. Um but that's they know a, a follow-up call is coming next. That's day. a totally <laughs> legitimate answer to that question. And I think um I can relate to that on some levels, you know, yeah. how you 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 end a conversation and but there's a part of you that 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 feels this conversation has not ended. Yes. This is not over. Yes. I need to process this. And I will say in the beginning, um, my of my reporting career, there were plenty of stories that I wish I had tackled differently. Ah, yeah. Um, questions I wish I'd asked mm -hmm. or clips of the interview that I should have put in. And I used to drive myself crazy with that in the beginning. Yeah. I would rewatch every story, dissect it, figure out what should have been, what mm -hmm. wasn't. Um, and so I, I can think of plenty of times that I wish I'd done a better job at work. Did you um, eventually just, was it a gradual maturing of your art form that, that, that where you were eventually able to sort of back off and yep. not um, basically pick apart the piece that's already been handed in. Yes. I, I think the maturity happens for everyone. I think as in any job where you realize I did the best I could in the moment. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to reflect to make it better for the next time, but it's not okay to wallow there. Sure. After my creative morning speech, mm -hmm. I was so irritated with myself. Can I tell you why? <laughs> yeah, please, tell me why. <laughs> you all wait. said to me, you said, you can get up there and you can read it. You can have some bullet points or you can have no notes at all. Yeah. I know that for me, I like to write everything down and then um, I might use it or I might not. So I got up there that morning. I had everything laid out, but then I just started talking. And when I got to the car, I was like, oh, I didn't mention that. Oh, I didn't mention that. <laughs> so I am notorious for picking things apart. But as I've aged, I've realized, okay, you have to let it go. Well, I'm laughing because I do that to myself every <laughs> month at Creative Mornings. I do Monday morning quarterback on myself. Oh, I should have said that, or I didn't say that, or I forgot to thank this person. Yeah. You know, so you're in you good company. You can drive company. yourself crazy. You, you can it. drive yeah. yourself crazy. Yeah. yeah. So th there may be some lessons there for both of us in terms of like trying to continue to do to to do ending well better. Mm -hmm. I think I have a lot further to go than you do because no. um, your your talk on it was uh, it was clear to me that that you've you've worked on this a lot over oh, your career. You. So um, what was life like in Chicago? Oh, cold. Did you miss <laughs> did you miss Charlotte? I did miss Charlotte. How long were you there? I was in Chicago for five years. Yeah. And it's funny, I was just talking about this this morning. So the weather's brutal. Everybody says that. But sure. I really enjoyed the people yeah. that I met there. And I found it to be, um, while it is a big city, I just I felt fully embraced there yeah. by a number of people. So it was great. But my husband, Mitch, is from here as well, yeah. and we both knew we always wanted the chance to come home. Mm -hmm. My daughter was born there, and I think we started to feel the tug a little more because we wanted to raise her close sure, to family. Sure. But I loved Chicago, but I, was, I want to share this point. Sometimes Chicagoans who've never been to Charlotte um, have a very 
uh, not realistic picture of the size of the city sure. or the amenities that are here. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was speaking with a woman, I think she was an interview subject, and she talked about how miserable the winters made her feel. And I said, oh, have you ever thought about moving? And she said, because a lot of Chicagoans complain about the winters, mm -hmm. which surprised me a little bit. Um, and she said, oh, I couldn't possibly do that. Los Angeles is too far, and I don't like New York. <laughs> I looked at her and I said, this is a big country. Yeah, there are. And there are lots of other livable cities uh, that you could be in. I'd love to uh, see what the United States map looks like in her mind. Right, right exactly. Now. <laughs> and, and she said, well, yes, I guess. So I thought, trust me, I'm, I'm from a city that I think you would really enjoy. You know, yeah. there are other places. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, if you uh, if there was something in Chicago that you could sort of magically pick up and drop into mm. Charlotte, and vice versa, I'd actually add, what 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 from Chicago do, would you do you wish you could pick up and just drop up mm. drop here? The lakefront. Oh yes. The lakefront was my first year we lived and we in this apartment we had a beautiful uh, lakefront view and I love water I love the beach and feel a sense of peace and calm just gazing out at it. But then um, one of my closest friends from Chicago, her first time visiting here, I pick her up at the airport, and the first thing she says to me is, I feel like I landed in a bed of green. Yeah. And the trees Shady that lady. you see, when yes, flying in, that was, she just kept marveling at all the trees, which yeah. I completely don't always appreciate mm. um, flying. It's just kind of common. Yeah. And... She just, as we were driving around the city, she just kept saying, I cannot believe all these trees. Mm. Uh, so I'd probably give a little more of that in the city of sure. Chicago. Uh, we lived in the suburbs my final two years, and, and, and there were plenty of trees out there. Sure. But that, that's what stood out to her. So, Sonia, you're involved in the Charlotte community in, in many ways. Um, you're on the board of directors for the YMCA uh, here at Friendship uh, Missionary Baptist Church, uh, the Alpha Lambda Omega chapter of Alpha Kappa Alpha. Yes. How does community service enhance your life? Mm. And and the, the follow up to that would be how how might you cons uh, convince your fellow citizens to to get their uniforms more dirty? <laughs> um, so I'll take the first part of the question in terms of enhancing my life. I think that innately. Um, even as a self-professed introvert, I want to feel a part of something and that I'm contributing. That's just something I personally, I know for me, makes me feel more fulfilled. Um, and I do think that my faith dictates to me that it's not always about me, mm -hmm. that I'm here for a purpose. So I feel the need to get involved, to share. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of convincing others, I've often said to people, there's, there's just so much work to do that I can't do what you can do. And so whatever your passion is, whether it's around helping students um, find jobs or be more job ready, or whether or not you're an artist and you want to share your artwork and your ability to create with someone else, we there there's value in connecting with other yeah. people yeah. and so i think embracing whatever individually ignites you inside yeah. um, that you want to share that you should get involved and there's a place for you mm. 
And it's all hands on deck in Charlotte. You know, it, it is. There's a lot of um, challenges and initiatives and goals that we have as a community, whether it's around economic mobility mm-hmm. or any uh, any other number of community challenges that are facing us. Um, it's got to be all hands on deck. Yes. And so bring your passion, right? Get, and this is the other thing that we love to talk about is uh, the, the moment you get involved and bring your passion or your interests to the larger community, that's the moment you're a charlatan. That's mm. the moment that you are, you're not a guest, you're, you're a family. Mm-hmm. And, and so I see you living that out, uh, both vocationally and applicationally, and it's a sight to behold. And so we're lucky, oh, we're lucky to, to, to count you as, as one of our fellow citizens. And oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm delighted to be here. And I want to say one thing, Matt, about I, I think that sometimes we can get overwhelmed with how far we have to go. Sure. Uh, but I hope that people remember perseverance is mm. key mm. and collaboration is key. Mm-hmm. And I would ask, because uh, often when I was at the station, people would call and say, hey, I've got an idea for starting a nonprofit. And even before I was in this world, in this nonprofit world, I used to say, well, have you sought out others who might also be working on that same issue? Mm-hmm. Um, because before we create something new, I think the power is when we all come together. Truly. And don't get discouraged if things aren't working the way you want them to. Um, I think working together in an organization, we'll just go, we will go, uh-oh, my English teacher's out there going, is it farther or further? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say farther. Okay. We will move farther, but I, I, quicker, I, it's, yeah. <laughs> um, than if you're working alone and starting yeah. something new. Yeah. So I, I think it's staying in the fight and not leaving those are the people who make the biggest difference. We always end these podcast conversations with the same question to Uh-oh. each uh, to each guest. And so uh, this one will be no exception. Um, what advice do you have for Charlotte? Now, this could be to Charlotte as a city. It could be to your fellow citizens. It could be big. It could be small. But what advice mm. do you have? Mm. Remain hopeful mm. and don't get tired. And so that goes back to that question before we um, we get tired. I know there are people who are tired of hearing about economic mobility. But the fact is the problem is still there. And while it didn't happen overnight, it's not going to end overnight. Mm-hmm. So we have to have some, I'm going to call it just stick-to-itiveness yep. Yep. until something ends. That we can't be distracted by the new flashy uh, topic or yeah. issue but wherever you're working, so yeah. some people are working on housing, some people are working on education, um, for some people it's the arts and get wherever it is, you've got to be persistent and persevere, even in the face of uh, what seems like a very slow victory mm. um, that's coming. And I would say to add to that, if if you do find yourself getting tired, like like I do sometimes, figure out what recharges you. Yes. You know, now that might be a hike in the woods. It might yes. be, it might mean coming to Creative Mornings. It might mean going uh, away for a weekend. But find those things that recharge you and fill you back up because yes. we need you back on the team. Yes. I, can I share this with you? Of and course. I'm going to butcher this quote, but I saw it up. I work out at the Y. And this was, um, it said, motivation 
is a daily thing. That's why we have to shower daily or something like that. <laughs> but it, it was just like, don't get down that you have to constantly be motivated. Yeah. Just like we got to shower daily. Exactly. We got we to gotta recharge daily. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. And one of my favorite quotes from way back when is, triumph is try with a little oomph behind it. Oh, <laughs> I like that. I might have to write that down right. so I don't butcher that one because I just butchered that last one. But you get the thought. I like that. Well, um, Sonia, again, thank you so much for sitting down with me and, and having this follow-up conversation. And, and this, uh, for the listeners out there, this is meant to be sort of a companion piece to the Creative Mornings talk that you that you gave uh, at uh, Johnson C. Smith University, and uh, which we just posted yesterday, actually online. Oh so there was a video. Oh yes, oh. of course, of course. <laughs> so w w I don't care if you listen to this first and watch that second, or the other way around, but please do watch both because. Um, your story is one that needs to be heard and you're an inspiration to all of us so thank you so much for everything you're doing thank you Matt I yeah. appreciated the opportunity thank you got it thanks again to Sonia Gant for speaking with us and thank you the listener for tuning in to the Biscuit Podcast don't forget to check out a full video of Sonia's Creative Mornings Talk produced by Charlotte Star Room at creativemornings.com slash cities slash CLT that's all the time we have for today's episode of The Biscuit. Remember to subscribe to The Biscuit Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review so that other creative charlatans can hear about us, or better yet, just tell your friends. Finally, get the scoop on Charlotte's creative scene delivered straight to your inbox every Thursday by subscribing to The Biscuit email newsletter. Do that now at biscuitclt.com. Biscuit Podcast is produced by Tim Miner, Matt Olin, and Andy Goh. Music by Harvey Cummings.